Okay, friends, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, one thing I need to say real quick before we get started. Um, I have a book coming out next month. And this, uh, yeah, so it's called All Flame, Entering into the Life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've been calling it a Trinitarian spiritual theology that focuses especially on how seasons of crisis and difficulty deepen our union with God. And uh, so the book doesn't release until next month, not available until September 15th. But for promotional reasons, the publisher will do these things called advanced reader copies. They're like 99% edited, and they give them out to people all over the country at conferences and all that thing to help get a little buzz going about the book ahead of time. Well, because all the conferences got shut down, there's extras. So they gave me about 125 copies and said, give these to whoever you want to give them to. Just tell them to raise a ruckus about the book. So we've got about 125 of them over there. We're giving them away to you one per household, okay? So not per person, but per household. And all I'm asking you to do is four things. Just four things, okay? Number one, just read the book. If you, get, you, know, if you take it, read it. That would really help me out a lot. Two, when the book comes out, if you would actually buy it, that would help too. Uh, we don't want to give these away and have them cut into sales. But if you can't afford the book, then this is our gift to you. So take it. Three, leave a nice review for me on Amazon. Would you please? That'd be nice. Only five-star reviews. It's broken at four stars or below. It just won't work for you. So five-star reviews. And then fourthly, just help me promote it on social media over the next month or so. So you can hashtag All Flame or All Flame Book. Tag me. Tag NavPress, my publisher in it. That'll help us raise a little noise about the book. Thank you very much. I'm done talking about me. Ew. Okay, here we go. Uh, we're starting a series on the book of Revelation. <laughs> oh, the year that it felt like the world was coming to an end. The New Life teaching staff decided this would be a good time to do the book of Revelation. So I'm going to ask you to do something. You know, Revelation is one of those books that... Man, it can just be divisive and bizarre the way that people handle it. And, you know, you fly off a thousand different directions. And you can easily, I think, in Revelation, you can kind of lose your center of gravity. This book is the church's book. The one holy Catholic and apostolic church's book. And that means that anything that we say about Revelation needs to come out of the faith of the church. And it needs to build the faith of the church. And it needs to go back into the faith of the church. And so what I want to do at least this morning, and maybe we'll do it the other Sundays as well, is before we preach, I want us to stand to our feet if we're able to. And we're going to take the ancient words of the Nicene Creed on our lips. This is the clearest and most concise version of the church's historic faith in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we have. And we're going to use this as our platform to preach from. Let's say it together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. 
On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And he ascended into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. And he has spoken through the prophets. And we believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Lord, we pray now that you would strengthen our faith. We ask that the words of our mouths and the meditation here of our hearts would be Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus, always Jesus, ever Jesus. Jesus at the first, Jesus at the last, Jesus before and behind all things, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, and Jesus everywhere in the middle. I pray that this morning these words of mine would center your saints in the, their identity in Jesus Christ, and that we'd walk out of this place this morning knowing more fully who we are and who we belong to than we did when we walked in. Grant that, I'm asking. We're asking that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Well, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, you may be seated. John writes the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed, he writes, is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it, just like we're doing right now. So we fall right underneath the canopy of John's blessing. And blessed are those who take to heart what is written in it. So Lord, do that in us, we pray, because the time is near. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you. From him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. you got to love it when a preacher just gives his own amen in the middle. Amen. John likes his own preaching here. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. And even those who pierced him and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Lord Almighty. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. I think there is no book in the Bible that probably inspires and instigates more fanaticism on the one hand and more fear on the other hand than the book of Revelation. It certainly inspires fanaticism. You, I'm sure, have met these people for whom everything that happens in the news somehow is in the book of Revelation. It's the fourth seal. It's the fifth scroll. It's the seventh judgment. It's the 13th, you know, bombastic drum, whatever. (laughs) Fitting everything in there, trying to Decode the moment with the book of Revelation, and you know when they start winding up a little bit with it. Conspiracy theories, and they start connecting the dots, and I read this in Daniel, and it's in Zechariah, and I see it in Revelation, and then I just read it in the Washington Post yesterday, and 
all of a sudden you start to feel sad inside and shut down a little bit. Fanaticism on the one hand, fear on the other hand. Fear on the other hand of torments to come and judgments to come and the world growing dark and what's going to happen to us. Mandy and I, not very long ago, sat with a young woman who was struggling this year with all the things that are happening and she's relating her struggles and her fears and what's going on. And she said, and furthermore, I just keep thinking, are we in the book of Revelation now? Is this the end times? And of course, this is the end times. We've been living in the end times since the first century. Between Jesus' ascension into heaven and the promise of his second coming, we're in it, guys. We're in it right now. But that's not bad news. It's really good news for the world. And John gets our attention pointing in that direction that this is good news, that the revelation is good news, the end times is good news. With the first three words of his book, he opens his letter with these three words. Put the first slide up. Apocalypsis Iesu Christu. The unveiling of Jesus Christ. The apocalypsis Iesu Christu. What John is trying to communicate to us more than anything else is that Jesus Christ is with us. And John's words are an attempt to unveil the reality of Jesus Christ in the circumstances that we find ourselves within. John's revelation is not, first of all, about timelines, and it's not first of all about judgments, and it's not first of all about the beast or the dragon or the whore of Babylon or the woman who sits on the many waters. It's not first of all about any of that stuff. Revelation, first of all, is about Jesus. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down. He came down. What John is trying to do is he's trying to peel back the veil of reality to help us see Jesus Christ. And if we miss that about Revelation, we will miss the whole spiritual significance of it. Eugene Peterson writes this about Revelation. He says that I do not read the Revelation to get additional information about the life of faith in Christ. For I have read it all before in law and prophet, in gospel and epistle. Everything in the Revelation can be found in the previous 65 books of the Bible. The Revelation adds nothing of substance to what we already know. The truth of the gospel is already complete, revealed in Jesus Christ. There is nothing new to say on the subject, he says, but there is a new way to say it. And I read the revelation and not to get more information, but to revive my imagination. We're not gathering up new information. You know, the revelation has been given. The deposit, the mystery of the faith has been given to the church. What we do is we soak ourselves in revelation to revive our imagination about how the God already revealed is in fact, with us, you can put the last slide up on the screen. Uh, not that one. There's another one. Revelation is an unveiling of Jesus Christ. It is a rebaptizing of our eyes so that we can see him afresh in and over the ebb and flow of history. You better believe that the churches of John's day needed this. The church was about 60 years old when John received the vision, the revelation, 60 years old. It had spread from Jerusalem all the way to Rome and probably beyond. It had experienced success along the way. It had also experienced some sporadic persecution. The message that Jesus is Lord and there is no other, it was controversial among the Jews for whom Yahweh God is Yahweh alone. And to try to introduce somebody else into deity, 
rattled the cages of Jewish folks. It also rattled the cages of the Roman authorities. And towards the end of the first century, one of the historical realities that creates context for making sense of the early church is that in the Roman Empire, they began to worship Caesar as God, the great imperial ruler of the realm. They revered him as a deity. And they also demanded that all of the subjects of the Roman Empire revere Caesar as Lord. And the early Christians took one look at that invitation and said, ah, we're so sorry. Because we already know the guy who's Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Raised from the dead and there is no other. And so this whole thing that you're doing with the imperial cult, uh, we can't go with you there. And John was one of those who had experienced persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire, he writes in verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John, by virtue of his giving testimony, bearing witness to Jesus Christ in the Roman Empire, he's exiled to the island of Patmos. Hey, John, you're going to stop doing this. We're going to put you on a ship And we're going to send you out 30 miles away to a little deserted island. And why don't you just do your thing there? And so John is separated. Miles and miles of sea are between him and the people that he loves. He's being persecuted by the Roman Empire. He's wondering what would happen. Remember the early disciples thought that Jesus would come back any time. I'm sure, I'm sure that as the first century wound to a close, they were asking all the questions. Where are you, God? Where have you gone? What's happening to us? What's going to become of us? And what, Lord, about the people that we love? And what about the folks that we're concerned about? Jesus, you said that you'd come back and find us. And it's been so long and we've experienced some success in your name. But mostly this has been really difficult. Where, oh God, are you? And in the midst of all of John's questions and his concerns... And his anxieties, something profound happens. But Jesus Christ is revealed to John. Look down at verse 10. On the Lord's day, John writes, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, to Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. He says, and I turned around to see the voice It was speaking to me. And when I turned around, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. In the midst of John's questions and concerns and uncertainty about the future and the concerns about the church that he pastors, God reveals Jesus Christ to John for the churches. And this is the center of the revelation, is one like a son of man, dressed in a golden sash that goes down to his feet. John sees Jesus, and it changes everything for him. And I'm here to say to you this morning that we have no need more pressing or more urgent than to have Jesus Christ revealed to us by others. We need Jesus Christ spoken to us. We need Jesus Christ spoken over us. We need Jesus Christ given to us. We need to be fed with Jesus Christ. Our whole life needs to be bathed in Jesus Christ. We need to give Jesus to one another. And it's in that 
revealing of Jesus Christ to each other, for each other, that the church finds itself strengthened. I think about all of the times in my life when I was in a place that was dark and confusing and scary and uncertain, what the people of God have meant to me and what they have been for me at their best is they have been occasions for me to recognize again that Jesus Christ is with me and he's for me. And therefore, I have nothing to fear from the future. Nothing to fear for the future. I remember when Mandy and I were getting towards the end of seminary. I was in my last year of seminary. And we just found out that we were pregnant with our oldest, Ethan. So I was getting to be, I think it was spring of my uh, last year of seminary. It might have been February or March. I'm getting ready to graduate. I do not have a job line. reason that I haven't been hired yet uh, maybe I've got some fatal flaw that I don't know about. Do I have bad breath? Do I, do I stink? Am I awkward and concerned? Am I going to be able to get a job? Where I, and I, I might wind up doing this job or that job. I remember I just poured it all out before David, you know. David looks at me, so wise, kind of leans back in his chair, nods his head a little bit, and he goes, huh. He goes, yeah, you know, all of those things could happen, and they might happen but you'd still be God's kid. What are you so afraid of? Took all the fear out of the room, all the anxiety out of the heart, all the confusion out of the mind. There are things that are true about us that are not dependent upon our circumstances. Can I get an amen? In fact, the things that are most true about us have nothing to do with our circumstances whatsoever. What is most true about us is the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. So what was that thing you were so concerned about? But this is the task of the church, friends, is that we keep revealing Jesus to each other in every season, in every circumstance, in every situation. What we do for each other is we keep unveiling Christ for each other. And as we unveil on Christ for each other, we become a people who thereby are capable of unveiling Christ. Unveil Christ to each other, and then we unveil Christ for the world. This, by the way, is our whole identity as the people of God. As we're not a people of the timeline. And we're not a people who get caught up in what scroll are we in, or are those helicopters that we saw in the news, are those the locusts from the abyss that come in? We're not that. That's not the substance of our life together. The substance of our life together is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loves us. That we're included in the purposes of God. That we are called by the name of God. That we've been grafted into Christ Jesus. That we've been promised a glorious future in Christ Jesus. That is the substance of our life together. And we can do no better than keep revealing Jesus to each other. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. He said that Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. And no Christian community is more or less than this. That by having Jesus Christ revealed to us, we will see our whole situation. We'll see our own moment in history with fresh eyes. Henry Nouwen put it so beautifully when he said that our task as the church is to identify and announce the ways in which Jesus is leading God's people out of slavery and into freedom. He said that we have the arduous task of responding to personal struggles, family conflicts, national calamities, and international tensions with an articulate faith in God's real presence. 
The headline is not 170,000 deaths in the United States from COVID. The headline is Jesus is Lord. The headline is not that numbers are rising around the country. The headline is Jesus is Lord. The headline is not schools are closing and businesses are going under and nobody's really sure what to do. The headline, friends, it's Jesus is Lord. It always is Jesus, Lord. For we have to proclaim, that one goes on, in unambiguous terms that the incarnation of God's word through whom all things came into being has made even the smallest event of human history into kairos. That is an opportunity to be led deeper into the heart of Christ. What is God doing through this circumstance that we're in the middle of? He's leading us to Jesus. What is God doing in our country right now? He's leading us to Jesus. What is God doing globally? He's leading us to Jesus. What's happening right now? We're recognizing that this moment is full of the glory in the presence of Christ Jesus. And so what we do then is we speak the reality and the presence and the power of Jesus Christ to the world. And this is exactly what John does. Look back down at verse 4. John sees Jesus and he says to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before the throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty amid the uncertainties of the present moment. John's first move is to throw the church back into the reality of the God made known in Jesus and who they are in him. He doesn't go about strategizing about how they're going to get enough people into office in Rome so that they can stop this nasty persecution once and for all. We just got to get the right guy in office. He doesn't seek a political solution. He's not trying to overthrow the government. He's not looking for tactics or strategy. What John does is he takes an anxious church and he sets them down again in Jesus Christ. Your life is surrounded by the one who is and who was and who is to come. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He sustained your life from the start. He'll carry it to completion and he's with you even now. What are you so afraid of? Brothers and sisters, that's the moment that we're living in. All of the fear in our country, all of the fear in our world, all of the concern, all of the uncertainty, all of the irrational behavior, all of the overreacting, all of the hiding in holes and caves and all of that, all of the stuff that we're doing that's destroying our humanity, what we are called to do is in the middle of this, we keep saying, the good shepherd is here. And he's never stopped being the good shepherd for humanity. So come and trust in him. Come and be with him. Come and locate your spirits in him. By the way, that is the great importance of our fighting to be together in worship. And I know those of you that are watching online, sometimes circumstances just make it impossible 
for us to be together. And you watching online is as far as you can come. And that's so amazing. But guys, we have to fight to be together. Is there something about being in this space that it baptizes us again in the Holy Spirit? Reminds us who we are. Remember the psalmist. I've been thinking about this this week. The psalmist in Psalm 73, one of my favorites. The psalmist said, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, he said, my feet had almost slipped. But he said, I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. I've washed my hands in innocence. See, he sees the world warped and broken. He goes, God, the wicked are prospering somehow, and the righteous are being diminished. This doesn't square with what I know your righteousness to be. What is going on? Maybe I've just done all of this in vain. Maybe it's been foolish. Maybe my following Jesus is a big lie. Maybe it's stupid. Maybe it's all make-believe. Maybe it's all made up. Why am I giving myself to this? He says, all day long, I've been afflicted. Every morning brings me new punishment. If I had spoken out like these things, I would have betrayed your children. In other words, the whole community would have said, you're a heretic. He says, I have to keep it all inside. Then listen to what he says. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood. See, when we step back into the house of God and worship, when we come back into the assembly of the saints, even if we can only do it digitally, what's happening is we're stepping back into the world as it really is. Even though on the surface of reality it doesn't appear to be that the righteousness of God is making itself manifest, we know that it is there and it will one day. And I'm telling you, there's something that it does to us, that it makes us healthy and it makes us Strong. One of the great sadnesses of this season in the, United, the church in the United States is that a third of practicing Christians have stopped attending church since COVID began. A third. A third. And those that have stopped attending church show a marked increase in things like depression and anxiety, a spike in mental health disorders. A recent study that was done by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they published a study that said... 40.9% of respondents to the study, about 5,000 people surveyed, reported at least one adverse mental or behavioral health condition during this season. According to the new study, 31% of respondents were suffering from symptoms of anxiety or depression. 26% experienced symptoms of traumatic disorder. 13% were using drugs or alcohol more heavily or for the first time to cope with the pandemic. And 11% had seriously contemplated suicide. Our isolation is not good for us. Our separation is not good for us. Our being bathed 24-7 in the news cycle is not good for us. But there's a reason that the scripture says what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold, what's the word? Unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and... All the more as you see the day approaching. 
But the writer of Hebrews is saying exactly what John is saying, that there is no need that we have that's more pressing than to be together in the house of God for worship. Because it's there that we remember where our lives are truly located. Stand with me this morning. We're going to sing... Well, you know, it's the pandemic, so we're out of communion stuff. It's all on back order, so we're hoping that we're going to get it next week. But what we're going to do as a response to this is we are going to sing a song <laughs> that allows us to declare our faith together and who we are and who God is and where we're going with Him. And so now just begin to lift your hearts up to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our midst. We thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. That you are the beginning and the end. That you are the one who was and is and is to come. We thank you that our lives are tucked away with you. That they're hidden with Christ in God. And therefore there is nothing that we can experience. There is nothing that we can go through that you have not already provided for. And so now I'm praying that as we're in this space, that our worship would be an encouragement to one another to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess And I'm praying that as we sing this morning, that you would cast fear and depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts out of this place, that you'd establish us once again in the truth of Jesus Christ, our firm foundation. Granted, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, let's worship.
that stone was moved for good for the lamb and conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs up doxology to the Lord. Turn your hands heavenward and receive the benediction. Brothers and sisters, as you go from this place, <laughs> may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you remember Jesus Christ in everything. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Thank you. I receive it. Hey, the books, they're at the table here on the way out if you want to grab a copy. We also have some at Connect Central, so if this gets backed up or you need to get your kids or whatever, just grab one in the lobby on the way out. You are loved. It was so good to see you this morning. We will see you next Sunday. Mm -hmm.